Have you ever had an experience where you stop and think there's no chance that that was a coincidence? Today, we're going to talk about orbits and how the Lord puts us in certain orbits so that we can influence each other for good and make His purposes happen. We're sharing some personal stories in the past and recently, too, about how certain people were placed in our path or orbit to work out the details of our lives and show us that God really is in charge. Today, we're going to talk about orbits, not the gum. That was the first thing I thought of. Really? Well, I just explained this concept to Neil. He was like, I, orbits, I don't get it. Because I was listening, re-listening to a talk from one of my heroes, Sherry Dew. If anyone listening to this has a connection with Sherry Dew, she is on the very top of my list of people I would love to interview someday. So if you have a connection with her, tell her or maybe get in touch with me and tell me how we could make that happen. But anyway, I was re-listening to this talk that she gave and she shared a story. I've actually heard her share this story more than once, but I was in person when she shared this story in Southern California a few years ago in 2018. I was actually pregnant with Millie, just about to have Millie, and she was speaking to a few different women's groups, a few different stakes in Southern California. And I went up to her after and said, hi, Stardew. I'm Cy Foster's daughter. And I just want to tell you hi. And she, it, it's funny because I've met her like a handful of times, four or five times. And she doesn't ever remember me, but she remembers my mom because she always says, oh, your mom makes the best cookies. So she loves my mom. But anyway, she shared this story about how Sister Nelson met President Nelson, who is the president of our church, Russell M. Nelson. And it's a pretty cool story, and it has to do with orbits. But to set that all up, I need to share a quotation from Elder Neil A. Maxwell. So he said this. He was a Quorum of the Twelve Apostle. He said, The same God that placed that star in a precise orbit millennia before it appeared over Bethlehem in celebration of the birth of the babe has given at least equal attention to placement of each of us in precise human orbits so that we may, if we will, illuminate the landscape of our individual lives so that our light may not only lead others, but warm them as well. I think that quotation is so cool. I love it. It just like warms my heart every time I hear it. So I'm going to tell the story and I, I am going to let Neil talk. In a oh, I'm excited to hear the story. But it's a really cool story. So in 2005, Russell M. Nelson's wife that he, like his sweetheart that he had married and raised nine or 10, 10 kids with. Did he have nine daughters and one son? They had 10 I kids? Believe so. I think so. So she passed away in 2005. They were, it's like this really heartbreaking story because he was a heart surgeon. They were watching TV together and she just suddenly died of a heart attack. And he couldn't save her. And it's just really sad. And so anyway, he was single at the time. And Sherry Dew, who is, again, one of my idols, was on a trip. She had formerly been a female leader in our church. So she was in the General Relief Society presidency a few years before that. And she was on a trip with her bestie, Wendy Watson, at the time. And Wendy Watson was, I think she was a professor at 
BYU, I believe, but she was a gospel scholar. She had written books for Deseret Book. And so these two were besties and they were on a trip in Europe and they had gone to Rome and then Florence and they had this whole itinerary planned out. And some of it was for business that Sherry Dew had to complete and some of it was just for fun. And they ended up with an extra day. So they're in Florence. They have an extra day and they are like, oh, we've done everything that we need to do here. We've seen it all. Let's go to Zurich and let's go, let's take this train over the Alps. And one of them or both of them had heard of it. And so they get this idea and they're like, yeah, let's do it. So they get to the train station and they're asking questions and they're told, yep, you can take this train. And so they buy the tickets and then they go down to where this big board is that shows all of the trains. If you can imagine, like if you've ever been in a really busy train station, like I'm imagining Grand Central Station, it's that type of a setup where there's this huge board, there's all these people, it's very chaotic. So Sherry Dew is looking at this board. She's trying to figure out where they're going to go next. And she says that Wendy disappears. She's like, I don't know where she goes, but she disappears. So she's standing there by herself, Sherry Dew is. And someone comes up to her and says, Sister Dew, can I help you? And it was a return missionary, this girl who had served a mission in Italy. So she spoke Italian and Sherry said, yes, of course, I'd love your help. So she tells her what their plan is. The missionary helps her out. And here's the train you need to get on. And this is the time and here's the platform and whatever. So then she says to this girl, so tell me about you. What's your name? What are you doing here? And so this girl tells her, well, I served a mission here and I came back and I'm actually here to see Elder Nelson, at the time, he was one of the 12 apostles. He was not the president of our church yet at the time. I'm here to watch Elder Nelson create the first stake in Rome. Sherry Dew says, oh, that's wonderful. Like, I wish we could be there for that. And so she says, I bet that Elder Hillam is going to be there, who was the area president at the time of the Europe mission or the the Europe missions. And she said, yep, he's supposed to be there. And so Sherry says, let me write him a letter or a little note. So she pulls out a note. She writes him a note because she had known him from when they served together when she was in the general young women's presidency, when she had that leadership role in our church. So she writes in this letter or this little note and hands it to her. And then she says, when she's telling the story, she says, I'm kind of a protocol freak. So I realized that I probably should also write a note to the presiding authority which was going to be Elder Nelson. So she writes this note to him. And at that time, Wendy reappears. And Wendy says, oh, what are you doing? Sherry explains the whole thing. And then she says, sign my name too. So Sherry's like, okay. So she signs it, Sherry Dew and Wendy Watson. Hands it to this girl. This girl goes on her way. And she said that they said to each other, do you think she's actually going to take those notes and remember to give them to these leaders at that meeting? And they're like, I don't know. We'll see. But We may or may not ever find out. Well, they did find out because Elder Nelson at the time, right before he went on this trip, had told his secretary, go down to Deseret Book and buy a couple books for me, for me to read on the plane. So she went down there. And one of the books that she bought was from Wendy Watson. She'd just written a book on like relationships or something. So he had read this book on the plane. So her name was fresh in his mind. So he receives this note reads it. And he, when he tells the story, apparently he says that the spirit told him, I, you need to meet this woman, Wendy Watson. So he has this revelation because he receives this note from this girl who happened to be, so the whole point of it is orbits, right? Like how the Lord perfectly timed 
Sherry Dew, Wendy Nelson, or sorry, Wendy Watson at the time to be in this train station at the exact time that this girl would be there and then hands them a note. And it happens to be on the same trip that Elder Nelson at the time had just read Wendy Watson's book. So they get home and Wendy gets a letter in the mail that says it's from Elder Nelson. Oh, I really enjoyed your book. I read it. I loved it. And thank you for the note, by the way. And so she calls Sherry up and says, is this normal? Should I be Should I be worried? And Sherry Dew says that she responds to her and says, oh yeah, that's normal. Like the, the brethren are always so nice. They always acknowledge these things and write notes and whatever. And she's like, now I'm so embarrassed that, that I played it off like that. But anyway, she kind of goes, oh yeah, that's normal. So then a few weeks later, they celebrate Wendy's birthday. They go out for her birthday. They come home. Wendy gets home and there's a voicemail on her phone from Elder Nelson wishing her a happy birthday. And so she calls Sherry Dew and says, is this normal? Should Now should I be worried? And Sherry said, yeah, now you should be worried. And so anyway, at that point, she says the rest is history. But she talks about how only God could have orchestrated all of those perfectly timed things for those people's orbits to cross at the exact perfect moments that they needed to cross so that the upcoming president of our church would meet this woman who God knew was going to be the perfect fit for him and that they would be connected in these ways. And so if we go back to Elder Maxwell's quotation, he says that same God that placed the star in the orbit, in the precise orbit to celebrate the birth of Jesus has given equal attention to the placement of each of us in precise human orbits. So this can go for, you know, tender mercies, things that happen in our lives that are just like, wow, I cannot believe the timing of that. I can't believe how God really was watching out for me, or he just had something happen so perfectly that resolved this problem or showed me exactly how to proceed in a difficult situation or even with parenting, knowing, oh, these kids were sent to me because I'm supposed to be their parent, their imperfect parent, but still they were sent to me for a reason. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So now that I've talked for 10 minutes straight, it's your turn. It's my turn. Yep. No, this is a cool one. I like this topic because I th- I think what it does, and, and it can be taken to the extreme to where it's like kind of like predestination, like everything's already planned out for you. And, which, which really, we, our gospel and our belief don't don't feel like that's the case that we're foreordained to do, do certain things, but there is agency. Well, you better explain that because that's you're kind of glossing over like a pretty big deal. Too. Yeah, no, actually, that is super important. So, if everything was predecided or predetermined, then agency would be taken away. There wouldn't be agency if it was like we'd be like little robots. I'm going to. This is what you're going to do. Yep. Um, and it's just how, the, how it is. Like this is just what's going to happen, and and you're not given an option. Then that removes agency. So there's, and so there is an idea out uh, different faiths or different understandings that this idea of predestination meaning it's all determined and decided all of the decisions that you will make or all of the things in your life is just set in stone. It's already just going to happen that they're, uh, you know, but that would, would remove the agency component, if that makes sense. Yep. So, but for ordination, for ordination is basically we, we believe in the, like we're pre-mortal 
there was like a pre-mortal realm where we lived with God before we came to earth. And that while we were there, that we agreed to take on certain assignments or do certain things in life to help others or to grow and develop. And that we were foreordained being like, meaning like you were kind of, I guess, more or less given this spiritual special assignment in life to do. And, but still agency plays a role. You can, you can use your agency on this earth to either accept that and follow the spirit and listen to God and his voice and decide to take action on those things, or you can choose not to. The agency component is still intact. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about potential when foreordination is brought up, like your potential to do these great and wonderful things is there and God sees your, your potential so clearly, but it is up to you to choose that. Yeah, absolutely. There is that always that agency and agency is just such a central, important principle to the whole plan of, of to God's plan, you know, is, is basically what we believe. So I think that's important to, to kind of make that distinction because when talking about this topic, it can, I think you can kind of, there are different schools of thought on how that plays out, but that's kind of what our belief system is. So based on that, but I, I think it's such a cool topic because for what, for me, what it does is it tells me, it shows kind of the evidence of God and God's hand in my life or in other people's lives. And mm-hmm. when I hear these stories and people share these stories and, and see these examples, it builds faith. And it strengthens faith to be like, wow, God really is there. And not only is he there, he's in the details of our lives. Yep. It's not just kind of like every now and again, but there, he cares and knows us personally and is in the details. So I think it's just such a cool topic. For me, the example that I thought of is I, I went on a mission for our church, went to Canada and, you know, before I went on my mission, there's, there was kind of a, they've changed this a little bit now, but when we have our church meeting, the missionary who's going to be serving, who's, who's in the congregation will talk, give a talk. And they and still do that. They still do that. It was a little more like the whole, entire the whole meeting was about that person back when I went out, which, which they changed a little bit, but I, I knew that that would be coming up and that was really important to me. Like all of my friends and my family were going to be there. I knew that everyone would, would be there. It's kind of a big deal, like a big moment to share your, your testimony and, and kind of what is important to you about the gospel. And so I, I really wanted my brother, Steve died when I was 12 and I really wanted him to be there spiritually. And I felt like I didn't really know how that worked or if that was okay to ask for or possible, but I I believed it was. And so I went up to his grave the day before and just kind of was, I guess a lot of people do this, or I did this with just speaking out loud, kind of like talking to him, you know, believing like, Hey, maybe there's, he'll get this message. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Hey, I'd love for you to be there. And, and that was that. And then the, the next day was my called like a farewell missionary farewell and everyone's coming in it's like packed there's a bunch of like all my friends all my family are there the meeting's about to start and I'm just kind of you know I'm kind of nervous and then totally random this random kid you know maybe like early 20s just walks up to me doesn't even introduce himself he just puts this lay on over my neck like a Hawaiian lay nut lay uh, a nut lay 
come to, we looked it up. It's the Hawaiian nut lay and says, keep this on as long as you can. And then just walks off and is like, that's it. Mm. Completely random. But I knew in that moment, I'm like, that's from my brother, my brother, Steve. It was so cool because he loved all things Polynesian. He loved our Polynesian heritage. He spent a summer, you know, a couple of summers in Hawaii, like really got into the culture and loved, um, you know, anything that was Polynesian or from that culture. And so the lay, getting that, that lay from just this total random stranger, I knew. I'm like, he's with me. He's here. That's his way of saying like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. So it was really cool. And then come to find out later, the the kid who came and gave me the sleigh was one of my brother Dave's friends. And he's like, yeah, I, I didn't know him at all. Completely random. But he just, he's like, yeah, I just felt like I was supposed to show up that day. And he just happened to, that was what he brought to give to me. Wow. It was so, so cool. I think he had some Polynesian heritage and that's why he gave me a lay, the lay. But it was so powerful to see that. And it was one of those moments of like God's listening and cares. And there are things about us that we don't see, but are totally real that are of a spiritual nature. So really, really cool. in relation to what you just shared, one of my favorite quotations is from a book by Elder Bednar, who's an apostle in our church. And the book is called One by One. And I was told about this book by one of my mentors, Greg Gerbay, who I just love. He is serving as a mission president in Richmond, Virginia, but he used to be the director of media and of the missionary department for our church. And he told me about this book once. And so I read it and just love it. And in the book, David A. Bednar talks about basically this same concept of things don't happen by chance. And this is the phrase that he repeats over and over in the book. He says, I believe that in the work of the Lord, there is no such thing as a coincidence. So he gives all these examples of things that have happened to him, things that have happened in the scriptures, all these things that happen where it's not a coincidence. People cross each other's paths, things that happen. One of my favorite examples of that is Alma and Amulek, how they met and the Amulek, he had, he likes to talk about how he had influence and he had the means to be able to travel with Alma and teach and preach and they cross paths and then they kind of like join together and join forces and then just go out and teach people about truth. And that's just like one example that just popped into my head. But I wanted to share a recent example of something that happened to me, to us, that was just, I was like, wow, there is no other explanation other than God was in charge and he set this whole thing up. So if you follow me on Instagram or if you listen to our podcast episode a few weeks ago, you know that we have been helping this man named Andre who is in Ukraine and he is going around daily feeding people. And just his story alone is 
insane about how he like two years ago started this food business, this food delivery business. He had all these contacts with local farmers. And then right when the war started there, he was able to go to those contacts and get food and then go feed people who really, he said, most people in his city of Kharkov have left if they could leave. The only people really that are left, according to him, mostly are people who have disabilities or family members who have disability or people who are too old or sick or whatever to be able to leave. These are the people who are still there. So he's mostly going around feeding elderly people who would not be able to find food on their own or they just weren't able to leave. It's pretty remarkable. But anyway, when I first heard his story, I felt this just really strong impression. You need to help this guy. And I've never done anything like this on Instagram before where I've thrown out my own personal Venmo and said, hey, Venmo me, I'll send money to whatever organization. I've seen other friends do it. And I've always thought, wow, that's really admirable. That's a wonderful cause that they're supporting. But I've never personally felt called to do it until now until this situation where I saw Andre and the spirit told me so strongly, you need to help this guy out. So I got in contact with him and we did the podcast interview, became friends that way. And then I just, the spirit was telling me so strongly, you need to help him. You need to help him. You need to give your followers who trust you a way to send you money to then send on to him. And it turned out also that the girl who he had been getting some money from suddenly said, I can't send you donations anymore. And So there was this whole thing there where that stream of money got cut off. And right about that same time was when I had really felt like we need to help this guy out. And we start receiving all these donations. And so we spent, I spent like a solid week every day during my working hours trying to figure out how to get him this money, like on the phone, online researching, talking to the bank. It was like turned into my full-time job for about a week there where I was trying to figure out how to get him the money. And I went into the bank and I'm just a little too honest sometimes. I don't know if that's a thing, but I went in and just told them the whole story about how I, and, and so at the bank, they're asking me questions. So do you know this guy? Well, no, but I know people who know him. Okay. So what is he doing with the money? Well, he's buying food and feeding people. And I think the whole thing just sounded so sketchy. So the people at the bank, it's their job to protect their customer, to protect the bank, to protect, you know, from any type of scam out there. So I think because my story sounded so sketchy and they didn't really know me. I've never walked into the bank before this. Like, I don't go to the bank frequently. I am that person who never has cash because I just pay with a credit card or pay with Apple Pay everywhere. So I really didn't know the bank at all. But I think because my story sounded so sketchy, they put a note on, they flagged my account basically saying like, this girl, there's something up with this. Like, this is sketchy. But also in the meantime, because we had received all of these Venmo donations, the very first time that I went to transfer the money from Venmo to our bank account, I realized, oh, this is going to be a problem if it mingles with our personal funds. So Neil and I went to the bank together and sat down with the branch manager to open up a new account that would be just for Andre's money, like just specifically only for his money. So it wouldn't mingle at all with our personal funds. 
So we sit down, we're telling the whole story to the branch manager. I show him the videos of Andre and he's like, wow, you guys are doing such a great thing. This is really wonderful. So he gets it. He hears the whole story. He gets it. The next day when I go in to wire the money, that was when I told the whole story. And I think someone, one of the bank tellers was like, this sounds sketchy. So she puts a flag on my account and the wire does not go through. It was rejected. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? Do I have to go to a different bank? Do I, I just felt like I was backed into a corner of, okay, if I can't get him this money through a wire, how else am I going to do it? And so I ended up calling a friend of my parents who works on Wall Street. He's been in finance for forever and ever. And he basically was like, oh gosh, Corinne, if you have a flag on your account, there's almost nothing you can do to get that taken off. And he said, here's what happened is there's a, there's a term in banking called KYC, know your customer. And he said, if it looks like you are sending money to someone that you don't know, that, that's a flag with KYC. You don't know the person you're sending the money to. And the bank has been, they've, all these employees have been specifically instructed, don't allow that to happen. And that's to protect the customer from getting into a fraud scheme. That's to protect the bank. It's to protect everybody. But he basically, and I'm like, okay, so can I go open a new bank account at some other national, big national bank or whatever, or even like a credit union or something? And he was like, no, if you try to go open a new bank account and you're wanting to put a large amount of cash in there and then wire it over, it's going to look even more sketchy. So he's like, I don't know what you're going to do. But he tried to give me some of his best advice, but also was like, I just, I don't know, kind of like, good luck to you. So... I go back into the bank and try again to talk to them, wire this money. And in the meantime, I am talking to Andre and we're, we're messaging back and forth. And I said, I said, Andre, you better start praying because I don't know how this is going to work out. And I was panicking and I'm in the bank trying to talk to them and they call, you know, somebody supposedly. But um, anyway, I think this whole time, these a couple at least one of the bank employees is like saying oh yeah I'm gonna help you but really I think she's looking at me going we think you're sketchy so I just go home that day so discouraged so just disheartened like what am I going to do I have all this money to send to this man who's trying to feed people but this just isn't working and and I've been told by someone who's been in banking their whole life like once you get that flag there's nothing you can do really to take it off So I'm just praying, praying, trusting the Lord that he's going to make this work out. And that afternoon, right before the bank closed, I got a phone call from the branch manager, Christopher. And he said, Corinne, I want you to know that I've been on the phone. So let's see, this had to have been like the next day. But he he calls me and he says, Corinne, I want you to know that as soon as I found out about this situation, I got on the phone and started defending you. And I've been on the phone all day long. And this went all the way up to the highest, higher up people in the bank and the fraud department. And they started researching, you know, you and your name. And they ended up finding this news article. And I had done a news interview about a week before that with Andre and with KSL, and they had done a whole story about what we were doing, raising money, sending it to Andre. And because the bank found this interview, they removed the flag and we were able to wire him the money. And ever since then, we've been able to. 
the connection with orbits is not only Andre and just having stumbling upon his account, finding out what he was doing and feeling so strongly that I was supposed to help him, but also this branch manager, Christopher, just sitting down with us, hearing our story. And I think that because the spirit testifies of truth, he knew that we were trustworthy, good people just trying to do something right, doing something to help somebody out, that there wasn't actually something sketchy about this. And so when it came time, he defended me and was able to say, okay, I really, this girl is doing something good. And then lastly, the KSL article came from a former a former contact of mine, Debbie Worthen, who a couple of times I'd gone into, she used to do a morning show, kind of like a lighter news kind of morning show where they would talk about not like hard news, but but like soft news, what they call in broadcast journalism. So she had interviewed me before about like Black Friday deals and just kind of like fluff, not important things ever. But we had maintained a friendship all over all these years. And she was, she's now a news anchor at KSL and had seen what I was doing on Instagram. And so my orbit with her crossed where it was like, she knew me, she contacted me to do the story a week before and we did it. And then, and at the time, actually, too, when we did that news story, I was a little bit hesitant because I thought, I don't want this to seem like I'm just like, yep, I'll step right into the spotlight and take the credit because all the credit should go to Andre. But I felt like we were supposed to do that interview. So I just went with it. It was like the day that I was taking the girls to Wicked and I just kind of happened to squeeze it into my schedule like 30 minutes before we were supposed to leave to go to Wicked and Anyway, and that was also that week when everything was like taking me forever trying to figure out how to get Andre the money. But having my orbit cross with Debbie Worthen and she knew me and she saw my stories and asked me to do the interview and Andre to do the interview. And that was online when the fraud department Googled my name and tried to figure out what the heck these people are up to. So when I told Andre what had happened, his immediate response was, wow, God had this all figured out. He knew. He knew this was going to happen. He had us do that news interview so that this would all go away, so that it would all be taken care of. And I believe that too. I believe that, just like Elder Bednar said, I believe that in the work of the Lord, there is no such thing as a coincidence. Uh, such a cool story. I And watching you go through that, I was, I'm laughing while you're telling the story because I was sitting at the bank with you and I'm listening to the story you're saying and I'm like this sounds so bad like this sounds so <laughs> like, like I have if thousands I, of dollars for some like, random hey, dude we're gonna, we're wiring it to this guy in Ukraine and he's doing like it just sounded I'm like he's buying chickens this and sounds so he needs thousands of dollars just to, just like yeah. okay so like some crazy spam that you you know email totally. that you get in your email that's like wire me a bunch of money and I'll wire you more back. Right. Stuff. Right. And so I think that's what they were kind of like trying to keep us safe from. But the whole time, like we, you know, we knew that it was legit what we were doing. And so, but it did sound so bad, but, it, but and it was also cool. they said like in times like this, unfortunately it's really sad. People do People take advantage, take advantage of, of that. Yeah. But I think again, because the spirit testifies of truth and we had crossed those orbits with Christopher and he felt the truth of what we were doing. He saw the videos. He was like, he just recognized it right away. He's like, hey, you guys are doing a great thing. 
this is really touching that you guys would like put this effort together to try to help. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it because I think Christopher was such a key person because as the branch manager, he easily could have been like, oh yeah, that girl is sketchy. But because he had felt the truthfulness of what we were doing and he knew there was a good like feeling and spirit about what we were doing, he said, I've, I've been on the phone all day fighting for you. And went all the way up to the top and then they found that news article about you in the fraud department and they reversed the flag, which I was told by my parents' friend in banking was basically impossible. So God can do the impossible when it's his will. And I just think it's really when we easily could have had that experience happen too and been like, oh, wow, like what a coincidence. I was great that that all worked out. (laughs) You know what I mean? But also because I think when you're looking for miracles and you're looking for God's hand in everything, that's when you see them. And when you're willing to see them, recognize them, call it out for what it is, then God can give you even more of those. And that's really what I believe happened. It was like Andre knew it right away. I knew it. You knew it. It was like there was no other explanation other than God was in charge and he set that news interview up through me crossing orbits with Debbie so that it would all be worked out. Yeah. I think that's so cool to hear those stories because that just reaffirms. And sometimes it's big, like, you know, there's these really cool monumental things, but a lot of times it's like just really small things. But I think the power is in recognizing and seeing that and being grateful for it and and offering thanks. And I think those little daily kind of, well, someone described it once to me like bread breadcrumbs, like, you know, God kind of leaves a, a trail of breadcrumbs for us so we can continue to follow his path. Like those little breadcrumb kind of moments where it's like you get a, something like that happens that shows you that God's there. He's listening. He's got a plan. And it's undeniable that it came from him. Super, super cool. And I need those. I need those reassurances to to build faith, especially when there's just massive challenges and so many things that would destroy faith. I mean, the whole Ukraine situation in general, I think just especially initially and still continues to just take, took people out mentally and just, oh my goodness, what's happening and the world's falling apart and and it feels like satan's just in control like and he's winning just everything sometimes it feels that way fear-based right yeah right. we're all just afraid but god is not the author of fear and confusion and so i think that he gives us these reassurances and helps us and there's cool examples in the scriptures like you talked about i mean that's why i love reading the book of mormon every day is because i just get reminded i'm like wow look what he did we're reading in the old testament right now with Moses and Pharaoh and all of these different miracles that he does. And it just, I need to hear that stuff to be reminded of like this, God did this. If he can do the part of the Red Sea, he can handle these challenges that I'm dealing with in my life today. Yep. And that actually just happened to me yesterday too. I was telling a close friend about just a conflict in my life and something that I really, really want to resolve, but I just keep feeling like I don't know what to do. Like, there's not really something I can say to make it better, but I just don't know how to smooth it over and I don't want to make it worse. And so I kind of expressed all of this to the one person who understands the situation and and she gave me her advice, but I went home and still just felt like, oh, how am I going to do this? And I opened up my scriptures 
I started reading the scriptures and like certain words popped out to me. And then that personal revelation came in and it was like, the answer was so clear, be of good cheer. And I remembered, oh yeah, that's my gift to Jesus this year is to be of good cheer. And I can apply that to this situation too. Really when I made that commitment, it was with my kids in our marriage, um, not at all in the situation that I was having a hard time figuring out yesterday. But as I was reading the scriptures, it just like came to me so clearly. Oh yeah, you can apply that to this too. This is what the Savior would want you to do. Be of good cheer. And it, had I not gone to the scriptures, I don't know if I would have found that answer. But I I agree with you that God really is in charge of all of this. And if we put ourselves in places to hear the Spirit, to receive that personal revelation, to allow Him to be in charge, then that's when we really can do what, like in the very beginning you talked about, we were foreordained to do. That's when we can live to our maximum potential. That's when we can help people. That's when we can also recognize the help that comes to us as being the hand of God and not just a coincidence. No, absolutely. Well said. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. That was just so good. But just in general, I, I think just understanding that as we, uh, I love what you said, aligning ourselves with God and his will. And, and that does take action on our part. I think that there are things that I need to do or in order to put myself in a situation where I can hear God and striving to live a good life and follow the direction that he has given me and to do things that will bring me closer to God, um, opposed to doing things that'll, that'll, you know, pull me away from him and kind of cut off that communication. Um, those are things that, that, you know, on a daily basis, there's kind of an ebb and a flow there. And so the engaging in spiritual things and taking that time and obviously like the basics of prayer and reading scripture and listening like are the ways that I find for me that that I can do that and I can get direction. And it's, that's just, it's so cool. Well, I'll end with one more quotation from Elder Bednar's book, One by One. He says, Each of us as a disciple of the Lord still has many additional chapters to write in our own personal book of experiences with the principles of One by One. As we consistently seek for eyes to see and ears to hear, we can discern and detect the tender mercies of the Lord in our lives as we are blessed to receive them and act as instruments in the hands of the Savior to deliver them to other people. So my challenge to you is to look for ways that God has put certain people in your path that have helped you, and then also look for ways that you can also be that person for someone else. We've talked about this before, but if you think there's even a chance, there's a little bit of a chance that the Spirit's nudging you to do something, just do it. If it's a good thing, do it. Follow it. And I think that you will see how the Lord has you specifically in certain orbits because it's part of His plan. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at mintarrow.com subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.